Tom, I have some terrible news for the nation's children. P- oh, no. <laughs> what is it this time? This is by the it's going to be a couple of weeks old by the time people actually hear this episode. But as of today, mm-hmm. guidelines, new guidelines published uh, by uh, uh, the U. <laughs> God, I don't even like do we need a, an organization like this? Listen to this. This is called the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force. I don't even know what to do with an organization <laughs> called that. I like that their acronym is. Uh, they have now said this is a terrible thing. They have now issued a call to start screening children for anxiety. In some cases, before even the age of eight. Oh, wow. What do you think of that? Oh, my God. The call for screenings. It is the first call for screenings from this task force is apparently an independent uh, group of medical experts. Their views apparently carry a lot of weight in the medical community Mm. and do change the way doctors practice medicine. They reemphasized recommendations that children ages 12 and older should all be screened for depression. Sure. So that's one that they've already had, but they're just leaning in on it. Uh, And... (laughs) Uh, they now say anxiety needs to be in there. In its recommendation, it says this. Nearly 8% of children ages 3 to 17, 3 to 17, had a current anxiety disorder and that kids under age 18 who have anxiety disorders have an increased likelihood of a future anxiety disorder or depression. This is minority report of anxiety. Wait, are you saying that it's terrible that we're doing the screening or it's terrible that we have to do the screening because there's so many anxious people? Oh, terrible that we have to do the screening. Got it. Okay, because I I, I think I think it's good. I think my yeah. Precedent on this show indicates I'm in favor of screenings. (laughs) That's right. I think screenings exist is good. Yeah. I guess I didn't can that cause real, anxiety? I'm a real red state anxiety <laughs> hog. <laughs> Get out of my head. Yeah. I want to suffer alone and in silence. <laughs> I can't keep shivering when you keep talking to me and making me feel better. <laughs> That's rough. Three, yes. I usually I is think about rough. anxiety so much as a teenager or tweenager. Yeah. Gross. Um, yeah, wow. Okay. How does one scream CDC. for anxiety? That's interesting. Uh, just uh, just a lot of crayons. Yeah. Uh, according to the CDC, uh, number of children over six ha- ever having been diagnosed with anxiety or depression increased 5.4% to 8.4% between 2003 and 2012. So almost 10% wow. of children over six uh, have an anxiety disorder. So mental health illnesses are on the rise. That's so weird because everything's going so great. <laughs> this is what I want to tell the CDC. I really feel like their their recommendations are lagging, don't you? Like, yeah. come on. Behind the eight ball. Things are rosy now. Pandemic's <laughs> over. We I mean, what pandemic? Yeah. We're fine. We've never been closer as a nation. <laughs> Everyone is always <laughs> desperately trying to hear what someone else's opinion is. <laughs> Why are we all nervous? Oh, there's no reason to be nervous. <laughs> Go back to your law and order. <laughs>
Welcome to What's That Smell, a sometimes funny podcast about humans and their anxieties. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Tommy Metz III. And each and every week, we drag one of our deepest, darkest anxieties into the light to share it, learn about it, and hopefully laugh about it with all of you. Reach out. As you know, we love hearing from you in any way you can manage to do it. Easiest way is to visit whatsthatsmell.net and click on the Submit Your Anxiety button and then type up a little message that says, hey, I'm anxious about this, and then we'll get it and we'll talk about it on the show. You could, if you happen to be close friends with us, you could call us or text us, send us a little voice message, voice memo. We'll take that. That'd be nice. But generally, just go to the website, submit your anxiety. That's where we'd love to hear you uh, talk about yourself. And then we'll talk about you. It'll be great. So with that bit of clarity, I'll go first. Tom. Peter. You go to the store. You want to buy something. Yeah. How do you know how much it costs? What? Oh, I mean, the price tag? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I Tom, this is you easy. need to mail out in- invitations to a, your next big fet. Oh. Uh, you have all these envelopes, but how do you get the addresses on them? With a pen. Yeah, you know, you're doing it wrong. You go to the dentist. You've been a really good boy. If you're lucky, they'll give you one of these as a prize, possibly a smelly one. I would think a lollipop, a smelly one. Oh, my God, you are broken. You're off to UPS. What? However, however, will you affix this packing slip to your ready-to-ship box? I'll have to stick it on there. Oh, we're getting With there. Tape. Uh-oh, Tom. I have you're so many errands dangerous- today. I'm going to you're UPS a- and the dentist. <laughs> Just wait. Now you're entering a dangerous industrial zone. How will you know not to touch that high-voltage thing right there? Oh, there's like a little sign or a sticker telling me not to. <gasps> Good. Oh, my God, that vending machine just fell on me. How will I affix this warning such that it does not happen again to other unsuspecting passersby? <laughs> Are we doing stickers still? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I am talking about stickers from covering your books and bottles to industrial warning signs. Stickers are everywhere. And, you know, for most of us, just seeing a sticker might be fine. Sure. But if I tell you about the corner of a sticker peeling up just a little bit, revealing a little dirt, maybe a little hair stuck there. Don't like it. Does that give you a shiver? It did. (laughs) I didn't let you finish, and I went, ooh, involuntarily. I noticed that 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 we didn't even get to it. (laughs) This is going to be a great, great segment for us, I think. Uh, That uh, does actually lead us to this week's listener submission. Really? And... What is unprecedented about this, it's actually an audio listener submission. I was, oh, fun. I was recording a podcast with another uh, another podcast, the uh, uh, Human Solutions Podcast. It's an HR podcast. And there were a okay. number of us. I was hosting this, this panel. And uh, my uh, co-host and colleague, Jillian, uh, started, she didn't know about what's that smell. And so I started talking about it as we were getting ready. She's like, oh. And she starts talking. We have this conversation. And... Uh, Oh, about and something she's scared of or about something she's scared of. And so I I would like to just play a little bit of it here for you. Okay. Just so you can get a sense of the scope of what of what she deals with. And the voices you're you're not gonna hear my voice. I actually cut myself out of it, but you are gonna hear Jillian and our other co-host Jen uh in this in this little clip. So you can hear and I and I do say I did ask Jillian for permission to Smart. include this uh and, and talk about this on this particular show. All right, let's do it. 
I have a very weird one. Stickers. So growing up, my little sister would put stickers on the dog or pick them up off the ground and then try to like put them on me. And just the dirtiness of the back of the sticker and then touching my skin sends me into like, I have like a full meltdown. I, I really, really do. Like I freak out about it. So now that I have three children and what do they always get from people? Stickers. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to monitor that very closely. <laughs> but I can do band-aids. People, this starts always starts a thing out. What about post-it notes? What about band-aids? I'm fine with all that. It's just... Is it the dirt? Stickers. Are you primarily dirt the dirt too? really sets me off? But I don't also don't like I couldn't put a sticker on my skin. You know when you go to Walmart and they try to give you like the stickers. Oh yeah, I voted. <laughs> yeah, nope, all set. <laughs> my body temperature goes up. I'm like instantly clammy, and I just start <laughs> to like get it all. And I scream like I scream. I have like a high pitch. It's a actual panic. Yeah. And my cousin and I were talking one day about this, and she goes, "Are you kidding me?" And I said. Yeah, I know it's ridiculous. She goes, Jillian, I have the same phobia. There you go. Wow. Right? So all of that leading up to the end is like, oh, okay, isn't that quaint? A sticker thing. But then she describes her how her body right? feels when she when stickers get close to her. And uh, there you go. Like, then, then things kind of come off the rails. Was she switching gears at the end? I just, for clarification going forward, the dirt is definitely a big part of it. But also, she just can't put a clean sticker on her skin, it sounded like. Well, and that's where it sounds like there is there there is a bit of a of a, you know, as phobias are, they're kind of ridiculous in, in the way we uh, our brains deal with them that they're overlapping kind of. OK, yeah, they're sort of overlapping, but it really is like the dirt and hair, the act of of seeing a dirty sticker or maybe it is triggering clean sticker to dirty sticker. Sure. Like there's no. Yeah, no, just no stickers is is sort of the rule. No stickers. And uh, I it actually surprises me that I would have said that little bit about the curly peely up part of stickers and had you make an audible reaction it was uh, the hair. To, to I had never knew that I would have that type of reaction to that. But when you say yeah. there's a hair sticking out from it, I cannot abide it. <laughs> <laughs> and I had no idea until just now. That's crazy. Yeah. I, well, and this is what's interesting. One of the things that, that she continues to talk about, and I don't know if we'll, I'll insert that later, but she does talk about, because Jen, our, our colleague, says, you know, this is a thing I know about Jillian. She actually loves the outdoors. She loves hiking and being outdoors. So it's not dirt. And she doesn't necessarily have, she admits, I don't necessarily have a, a pristine, clean house. Sure. Like, it's not it's not a germaphobic thing, right? Oh, that's it really is something unique about the stickers that is problematic. So tell me, tell me more about your relationship with stickers. I always feel like I do a grape job. Uh, that was G-R-A-P-E job. I did notice you said, I wondered if I should call that out, but you do a grape job. Yeah. <laughs> excellent. I'm scratching and sniffing. Yep. Just stuff. Um, I guess it's, it was the hair. I don't know. There's something about it being a delivery device. And now that I'm thinking about it, it, if there's something with a little hair on something sticky and it puts onto you, it's also putting some of the stickiness onto you. Thus, when you take the sticker off, it's leaving stuff there. Interesting. So it's the delivery device, not just it's over there, but maybe I'm now envisioning all of the places that that sticker will go. <laughs> like Dr. Seuss, 
all the places that stickers have been, and now it's on me. There is something because fascinating. There is something unsettling about stickiness, especially in nature. I know we're doing stickers, not stickiness, but like if mm-hmm. you ever, if I ever like touch a tree or something unknown and it's sticky, wasn't when I wasn't expecting it, an alarm uh-huh. bell goes off, and that's clearly something primal. That's something oh, yeah, that's like sap and sap. You know, yeah, something just so yeah. much blood. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what forest I'm going to, but it's terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. Um, no, when you're not expecting stickiness and it's sticky, that seems like danger. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, that makes sense. But I think for me, it's the delivery device process. It's the fact yeah. that yeah. it's also becoming a part of me. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. I had no idea it that is I felt really this way. Interesting. Yeah, uh, right. Uh, that's again a gift of this show right? is highlighting things more things to be scared of i on the other hand adore stickers i sticker Look everything i this is my water bottle it is just fully burdened it's, with stickers my laptop i wish you could see my laptop one of the things that it's plugged in in the closet but one of the things you should know on the top of my laptop is covered i always get the vinyl d brand skin and I put it on the top and bottom of my laptop so that I can completely destroy my laptop with stickers. (laughs) And so the top of my laptop is destroyed with stickers. And then it's easy to peel off because you can peel off the vinyl and all the stickers come off. Got it. Um, And then on the bottom is the the black vinyl and then one sticker. It is one sticker. It is the legendary, now completely dissociated with any story that has ever been told, Tommy Oscar. The uh, (laughs) is drawn by Joel Micah Harris, who drew you standing in one of those red carpet lines, uh, hands in pocket and drew it as an Academy Award. And it's my favorite thing in the world. And I have just a few more of those stickers. So every laptop that I get is going to get one one of those. those I think if that was an actual award, it would be called the frumpy. Because I look, it's amazing, but I look a little schlubs. Yeah. I I think it's it it is amazing and it so captures I think our relationship yes. <laughs> really just perfectly. Um so th- I started looking into this and first of all uh, Jillian you have to know you are absolutely not alone. And when I start looking up stories of other people who experience this particular specific phobia um uh, increased heart rate, palpitations, dry mouth, body temperature increase, uh, shortness of breath, dizziness or nausea uh in I- additionally the feeling of panic and uh, that, you know, people will report when they get a sticker on them that they're almost claustrophobic. They feel like the world is closing in on them because a sticker is is on them. It's like it's like risks growing and trapping them in sort of stickiness. Can I interrupt Um, real quick, though, for one clarification, because there's there seems to be a big difference between how you use stickers, your love of stickers. And Mm -hmm. it's Jillian. My apologies. Yes. And yes. Jillian's is yours aren't on skin. None oh, of yours are on that's skin. True. Like, cause I have to get a sticker every week when I go to Young Storytellers because LAUSD is crazy about making sure everyone knows that you're a visitor, but it's on clothes. They love that. So it does nothing. Yeah. That doesn't bother yeah. me. I never bothers me at all. But so, um, I want you to keep going, I, but I do yeah. want to know if you no, have no, no, any. I think that's a good point. Yeah. I don't have anything with stickers on skin. Got I don't it. have any problem with that. Got it. Uh, other than like, you know, I you, uh, we talked about I had my IV last week and I'm a hairy guy. Like I have hair all over my arms. I'm practically a Yeti. And <laughs> so that makes me uncomfortable. The act of like oh, ripping sure. tape off of skin. Yeah. I don't love that. Um, but it's not, I would say it's not a phobia. It just 
freaking hurts. Right. And so <laughs> that's not a, that's not a, I, I don't harbor any sort of sticky resentment and to that. To wit, uh, the listeners can't see, but you're almost your entire face is covered in uh, duct tape. <laughs> It's like you made a little mask for yourself. <laughs> Why are you doing this? So let me just tell you, this is the, a really interesting thing that, I, okay. you know, we we run into a lot of specific irrational phobias, right? And we use the words a lot, but I've never run into a case like quite like this, where I feel like I've gotten to the beginning of a specific phobia being coined, oh. right? The phobia as it has been adopted is pitakianophobia. Pitakianophobia, Pitakianophobia, right? Okay. Pitakion, Pitakion is the Greek word for label or ticket. In Latin, it would be read as pitakium. Hmm. So combined with phobia, God of yikes, phobos, yep. uh, we have pitakianophobia, the irrational fear of stickers or labels. I found the guy who coined the term. Really? The guy who came up with it. And now you search for Patakianophobia and it's kind of work to find the original post. It's just sort of been adopted by the community as Patakianophobia. His name is Peter Field and he is a hypnotherapist. And as it turns out, hypnotherapy is a dramatic, uh, uh, you know, treatment of this particular thing. Huh. I was having a conversation with Dr. Dodge, our friend, yep. uh, uh, Dr. Dodge, immediately before this call. And I was telling him how crazy it was that I just found uh, patakianophobia and got to the, you know, to the bottom of it and was kind of sharing with him a little bit about the story. And he said, the first thing he said, without knowing that Peter Field was an expert British hypnotherapist, okay. he said, this person needs to go see a hypnotherapist. The devil, you say. It's that well known. I, I, it is. And he said regression therapy, being able to go back through and try to peel back the onion of <laughs> initial trauma you is the thing. <laughs> yeah, is the thing that you can do to figure out. Huh. Like, when was it that we actually developed the phobia of stickers? Usually it'll come down to an event. Right. An event. Right. I go back to my needle thing. Right. This is this is how it sort of came because I just had this IV. But when I was a kid, the first IV I ever had, the nurse screwed up. They, they wanted to put it in the back of my hand, which is awful yep. and missed the vein. Yep. So had to go to the other hand and did it there. Right. Missed that vein, came back and did it in my wrist. So they tried three times. It was terribly traumatic. And it turns out that's where my needle phobia started. Right. I had no problem with needles until that moment. Right. And then the rest of my life, I'm working on trying to get to the other side of this. Well, that's what these specialists are saying. Like, you want to get to the other side of this, you've got to go back to the beginning and unravel it there, which is somebody started putting stickers on you. Somebody put stickers on the dog. You are, in, in this case, if, if you're witnessing this animal getting stickers put all over them, that in some cases you might be over empath empathizing right. or over personalizing the pain that the dog will go through right. when you rip sticky stuff off of Vicarious them because pain. of their fur. Yes. Yeah. And maybe you've been carrying that. So that's one of the examples of things that that could. So it could be related again to the dirt and the germs that and, and I think you put it perfectly this idea of like yeah, now oh oh the places the stickers will go uh it, it could just be gross like you can you can again over empathize with the journey of that sticker and know that it's going to go to filthy places and that might somehow rub off on you what do you think of all this stuff stick patakianophobia it's it makes sense 
And before this podcast, if you were to just be real quick and be like, you're afraid of stickers? I'd be like, shut up. <laughs> and, and, afraid, and now? Yeah, I'm afraid of your face. And now I'm like, oh, boy, oh, boy. I guess I'm going to stop voting. <laughs> like the other woman said. <laughs> I think it's very, 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 very interesting. And uh, so I think that, um, you know, like anything else, treatment of sticker phobia, patakianophobia, uh, is massively impacted by transformational hypnotherapy, regressive therapy. Yep. Regression therapy. I don't I don't know where I stand on. I've never I haven't seen anybody say exposure therapy is gonna oh, just get like, you to the other side of this. Jump right? Just a, cover yourself in sticker stickers. Pit. Jeez God. I that sounds like a kid's I version have, of a saw movie. <laughs> I have I I think I, I do have one sticker related thing. Have I told you about my fruit sticker problem? Go ahead. I don't think so. It's my it's my daughter. Oh. She's a troll, and she knows that I hate this, and so she does it with <laughs> abandon. Um, it, she puts the she takes the little stickers on fruit, which why? Yeah, individual stickers on fruit. Not necessary. Come on. Not necessary. Not necessary. She peels them off and she puts them on things like my coffee maker or the <laughs> faucet on the sink or just on the counter. And I hate it so much, but not because they're sticky, just because they don't belong. It like challenges my sense of order. And I hate the like I hate the act of cleaning up after them. Yeah. But I but it doesn't give me the shivers. It just sends me into a rage. It's just annoying. Like a, a sticker rage. It's so obnoxious. Because you try to cut open a beautiful apple and you just destroyed your toaster. <laughs> yeah, right. Because <laughs> you right. believe That's all exactly stickers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it took me a second to get that. Yeah. You think that once a banana sticker is on my coffee maker, then all I want to do is, is peel, peel my coffee, <laughs> maker? coffee yeah. maker? Yeah, exactly. I've never seen a sticker <laughs> lie to me. Wait, are you saying I wasn't doing a grape job? <laughs> <laughs> this will shatter everything I have. <laughs> well, uh, you are doing a great job. And you know who else is doing a great job, Tommy? Jillian is doing a yeah. great job. Uh, Jillian, you are uh, you're amazing. And uh, I thank you so much for uh, sharing your anxiety with us and uh, allowing us to talk about it. I I I know I learned a ton about uh, about the conditions of Pitakianophobia. And I'm so sorry. Just just. Cover your children in stickers and, yeah. and take a break. You deserve it. <laughs> and if you want to keep us abreast of your anxiety and how it, you know, just go ahead and get a bunch of stamps, <laughs> lick those and send us a letter. <laughs> Great advice for our sometimes funny anxiety show. Sometimes funny. <laughs> Look, it's written on the tin. It's not always funny. <laughs> Support for a team can come in a lot of different shapes and sizes, from fan clubs to management staffs, from fundraisers to social media posts. And in the world of sports, 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 one of the biggest cheerleaders, well, apart from the actual cheerleaders, is the mascot. One of the earliest known mascots was a taxidermied dead bear cub used by the Chicago Cubs in 1908. It was later replaced by a real live bear mascot after some fans reportedly said, quote, gross, there have been plenty of reports of odd sport mascot behavior, like the time the Toronto Raptor mascot tried to rollerblade down the stadium steps in 2010, ultimately falling over and deflating his entire costume. Or the time in 1988 when Los Angeles Dodgers coach Tommy Lasorda got in a legit fistfight with the Montreal Expos mascot, Yuppie. 
presumably over his terrible name choice. But perhaps one of the oddest or disturbing, but also weirdly funniest examples of attempted mascot support took place at a Denver Nuggets game in 2013. The plan was for the beloved mascot Rocky, actually a man dressed in a furry mountain lion costume, to be lowered from the rafters via cable to center court before the start of the game. He was wearing a jetpack contraption and was there to whip the crowd into a frenzy. Things did not go as planned because, for reasons unknown at the time, the man playing Rocky had passed out while dangling high up in the rafters. So as Rocky was quickly rappelled down toward half court, fans were initially confused and then horrified as Rocky failed to move or, well, do anything. And as the spotlight followed him with the music blaring, a seemingly lifeless Rocky, arms and legs dangling, was lowered onto the court where he immediately crumpled over. It sounded like this. We'll put a link to this on the show notes, but just to sum up, Rocky's just dangling there that entire time until he crumples onto the floor. The spotlight immediately turns off and the announcer cleverly yells, yeah, as if nothing had happened. I've never seen something so disturbing while also being so funny. The mascot received medical attention and was fine. And the moment is truly an example of someone sacrificing themselves to support their team. Don't want to leave Pete and I dangling? Then how about you regain consciousness and head on over to whatsthatsmell.net and become a panic pal today. For just a low, low price, one time only, to support this season, the season you're listening to now, for $35, you will support time and expenses for the production of the season. You'll have access to members-only episodes and a lot of other bonus material. You'll have extra talkie times with Pete and I. And, uh, oh, Jillian, keep an eye out for this. Stickers! And, of course, you will have our undying love. So help us keep doing this podcast that we love so much. We can't thank you enough. And now, on with the show. Boo! Pete, you know I like scary things. Scary movies, scary books, haunted houses, sushi from gas stations. We've talked about it at length. But have I ever shared with you the time that I was perhaps the most scared I've ever been? No. All right. No, you haven't. Let's start with a question. How much VR, virtual reality, have you done in your life? Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> no. Okay, so I've done it twice. Okay. The first time I was at a, a conference, and it was very new in VR, and uh, the people who made... Who, who they were just releasing Beat Saber and the people mm-hmm. at Google and Beat Saber had like a promotional booth and they let us in to test it. And it was extraordinary and really, really fun. And I loved it then. And that was years ago. Mm-hmm. Then recently, uh, I went out with uh, our friends, uh, JJ uh, and uh, Kurt, dear friend, yeah. uh, JJ and Kurt. And we went to a VR arcade thing and it was one of those roped off things mm-hmm. where you have a like a zone and you put on a helmet that's tied to a rope in the sky and it was a zombie apocalypse thing and so we each had our own like responsibilities for killing the zombies and it was 
terrifying. They were everywhere, all around me, on top I've of me. I've done that exact one when I came out on my turbocation to Portland. Oh, we went there. Was, you were there. We <laughs> we went there. You walked in my footstop. Yes, footstops. Footstops. <laughs> no, you're exactly I'm right. The worst. Uh, yeah, we yeah. did it with uh, JJ, JJ's kids, Nikki, Nikki's kids. Yeah. Like we all did it, and I found out later that I was screaming because you can't really yes. hear anything because you, you have can't sound hear yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and everyone thought that I was a problem. Okay. Yeah. Well, second question. Have you heard of a company called Void? Uh, no. Okay. Is that are they uh, like a VR company? They absolutely are. They're usually found in malls and they offer what they call hyper reality. Okay. Basically, they put a large backpack. So it's kind of like what you did for zombie time, but more immersive. They put a large backpack rig on you and fully encompassing goggles and a headset and a haptack suit with 24 different vibrators, meaning that they can cause you to feel actual feeling, kind of like Ready Player One. Yeah, I was just going to say. And then they fire it up, yeah. and you are in a completely immersed in another world. So you've done this. And you're put have, and you're put in this room. You're not like in the roped-off thing. You're put in this room with different physical objects you can actually touch. So while you swear you're picking up a torch to illuminate what you're seeing all around you as a dark cave, you're actually just picking up a white cylinder that they have marked to look like a torch in your brain in an all-white room with a heat lamp. So they go all out. Void has a lot of branded partnerships and has a lot of family-friendly adventures paired up with, like, Star Wars and Marvel and stuff like that. But around Halloween in 2018, it tried something new. It was an all-original. It's the first time that they've done an all-original horror experience. And one day, I happened to be in a mall in Glendale, and I saw it being advertised. And this was the first I'd ever heard of Void or a Void experience. So I thought I'd give it a shot. I mean, it's in a mall. It's next to, a, like, an Orange Julius. How scary could it actually be? Pete, the experience was titled Nicodemus, Demon of Invanishment. Here's a little taste. They said we were going back to 1894 to the Chicago World's Fair. We were to explore the ruins okay, of the Chicago, fair like after it had closed. They said there was something terrible that had happened here. Something unspeakable. Okay. That something unholy had been brought into the oh, world. Oh, dear, that's a person in goggles. And that we had to find what it was. Oh. We didn't Did find that thing it. try to, that doll try to cut off his hand? <laughs> okay, claws coming out of a hole in the it wall. found us. I mean, I don't care for any of that. Like, you just, I, I mean, come on. So, can, can I replay a little bit for people who couldn't see it? Sure. All right. So, what you're seeing is, mostly, it's CG. Like, you're in an animated kind of environment. You see hands moving. And then, occasionally, it'll just flash back to, descri to, to exactly what Tom was describing, where it's somebody with a headset on. Like, you think they're carrying an axe or something, and it turns out it's just a stick. But, um, but, but, and so you see the people in the room, which is just a plain room and in reality, it, in reality but it flashes back to what they're seeing in real life. And there are a lot of puppets and dolls and, uh, then there are claws <laughs> in the wall. And I didn't care for any single thing about that. It's just like, we, this is like flashbacks to the escape room where I was left in stocks for <laughs> ever because no one let me out. <laughs> yeah. And we sent you to that horrible basement one that you, that was yep. just, everything was awful about the experience. What, go ahead. What, let, tell me about okay. how scared you were. Did you poop your pants a little bit? Uh, no, it wasn't actually that scary. 
All right, coming up next week. No, I'm just kidding, Pete. It was terrifying. It is the most scared I've ever been. It was like living in the movie Jacob's Ladder, which you know oh, is my favorite, favorite scary movie, but set in a corroded world's fair, which is scary enough on its own. You wander around, you get on trams, you descend on elevators, you are chased. At one point, you're walking through a garden filled with beautiful statues. The lights flicker, and when they come on again, all the statues are looking at you. The lights flicker again, they come on. All of them are now behind you trying to grab you. You look at yourself in the mirror and everything looks fine. But when you look back again, there's a screaming, shape-shifting humanoid figure right behind you. And you turn around and there's nothing there. Pete, I've never screamed so much in my life. Wow. But this podcast isn't called Tom and Pete's Baby Creepies. Although that honestly might be yeah, probably better. Especially because all of this is coming from you, a guy who, yeah. when he was a child, would sit on the stairs in his dark basement and turn off the lights. Yeah. To see, to make myself to feel see how, how get, because you were born with no feeling and you always had to no. try to amp it up. So here we are. Correct. Um, because this is about anxiety, first, I want to zoom out. I was absolutely terrified, whipping around, screaming. I'm hitting walls. Not like I couldn't see it coming, like I'm backing up against walls because there are things that I can't get away from. I'm hiding under tables. I'm grabbing fake torches. And zoom out, it's just me alone in a pretty small room wearing a giant backpack like a pudgy Ghostbuster. <laughs> um, sidebar, if you're interested in this whole idea, they make you feel like you're traveling incredibly longer distances than you're actually walking using a tactic called redirected walking. And it's really, really interesting, but that's not for this podcast. Um, so if you want to look that up, redirected walking. Okay. So I'm in, a I'm in a room where nothing can actually hurt me. And granted, I go into situations like these, we've talked about this, like a raw nerve. Like if I'm in a horror movie, I lean in. Yeah. I really want to be enveloped and have all the sensations. But this was almost too scary for me. I was really, really frightened and really panicking at times. And it never occurred to me to do one thing. Can you guess what that one thing was? Lift the helmet. Oh, I was just <laughs> going to start with, I was just going to start with close my eyes. <laughs> but of course, lift the helmet off. Yeah. I had all the power, but I was so immersed that I just, it didn't occur to me. I felt like I just had to keep living through it yeah. until it was over. And it just kind of kept going and it was fun, but almost too much. And when it was done, I didn't want it. It was like a roller coaster that's too much. Like you didn't want it to go a second longer. Wow. And so when I, when it was over and I left, I sat in the food court. Um, because again, like, is this a real food mall. court? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, again, mall. Yeah, now I'm yeah now I'm outside of a Wetzel's Pretzels, calming down, like breathing heavy, and just I was thinking about what I'd gone through, and here's what made me fill with anxiety and still shivers me today is the raw power that VR and hyper reality can have. Yeah, I watch horror movies for a living is a joke that I say, and yet this freaked me out. It took over my ability to think straight and to live a live normally and take care of myself yeah. and i'm very aware and we've talked about on this podcast that there's some groundbreaking vr treatment to help aid anxiety mm -hmm. they're doing a lot of stuff with that and that's great but as we're making advances on it every day just i'm sorry i have to turn it dark i'm worried that it could be used in terrible ways in the future because you know humans yeah and the worst yeah right. <laughs> that's what we do I read a Vice column uh, written a few years ago by reporter Doug Beerend, 
And he says, quote, as VR evolves into a new commons with major tech and social media companies pressing it into widespread use as a communication and media platform, those who occupy it may become vulnerable in ways that aren't yet well understood. Later, he posits that, quote, torture is just one example. Online bullying, stalking, propaganda, all could be vastly augmented in their negative impact by VR. Yeah. Well, and, and it I'm gets sorry to, to take it dark, but I can't get that out of my head. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and for, I, it happened to me in a mall. It sure. It happened to you in a mall. And, and I think the, the idea of a completely virtual environment is one thing. Like I can, I can see how that can be used, but I think the, it, it's sort of the dark side of augmented reality where you put the, the world on and you can see through it. So you see the real world and they're inserting questionable things into the real world. That see, I haven't trucked with that at all. Not out of fear, but I just don't know how to do it. But that also seems, yeah, mad, like that way lies madness. Yeah, potentially. right. Well, and I mean, you can kind of get a sense of it, like the like the Yelp app on your phone. I don't know if I haven't opened Yelp in a long time, but when you go on the map and you hold it up and hold up the, it's looking through the camera and showing you the real world, but overlaid on top of the real world are like directions and signs of like here, this is that pretzel oh, really? place and this is that thing. And the the map, like they have augmented reality directions. You can hold up your phone. It'll show you turn left here. There's a giant arrow floating in space. Like in, uh-huh. in the the direction that you need to go. So all of that stuff is incredibly helpful. And I think augmented reality is is it, like very much in our future. You're not even going to know it. And it's it's going to be there. Right. right? Like uh, and and so that's I, I think that's really powerful and could be. It, yeah, could be really terrifying and damaging and super, super addictive. Like I, right. God, That's the other side. Not of it. like we're is a study came out recently of saying that uh, spending too much time and it's the study didn't need to be done. <laughs> I think anyone would have guessed, but you spend too much time in a yeah. VR reality and you start suffering disassociative. Well, and disorder. let me tell you, because let me tell you, I mean, <clears throat> have we met? Yeah. Look, I'm looking at the void right now <laughs> and I'm seeing uh, Jumanji and Marvel Studios Avengers Damage Control and Star Wars Secrets of the Empire, the Void Experience, like all of these Void things besides the Nicodemus Horror Show yep. are things that I could get into and live in and never question it. Like, I can absolutely <laughs> see myself getting lost in those things. And so I am yeah. excited and terrified of our VR, AR right. future because it is primed for this guy's brain right here, he says, right. points to brain. Uh, and that's that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. And it's heartening that so many of them were, are so positive mm-hmm. and fun mm-hmm. and branded and cartoony and stuff like this. But yeah, in banishment, Nicodemus, in banishment time, <laughs> they really took a big swing. Man. Something that's explored this idea a ton is Black Mirror. Okay. The show that's now on Netflix. Yes, yep. Netflix owns it. Uh, Black Mirror has gotten to this a lot, especially about using uploaded consciousness or VR and stuff in order to enact punishment or, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Right. But at least that's all fiction. Yeah. Right. Right. Pete? Right now. Then I saw this <laughs> yeah. in the UK. I saw an article in the UK, philosopher Rebecca Roach is in charge of a team of scholars focused on the ways futuristic technologies might transform punishment for prisoners. By using a combination of drugs and VR-related technology, they could cause a prisoner to serve a thousand-year sentence in just 8.5 hours. 
by using, and this is right, right out of a Black Mirror yeah, episode, right. by using drugs that slow down your sense of time and using the VR to speed up your sense of time, something like that. It got all very sciencey that they can make you think that you're in there for like a hundred years. It's funny. There's an old movie starring um, Christopher Walken. Yes. Uh, it was actually the one that was called Brain, Brain Scan. It's Brain the one that Storm. Natalie Wood died yeah. during Brainstorm. 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 And uh, yeah, you can record people's dreams right. and then play them back for yourself. And one guy does. Well, same thing with like Strange Days. That's another movie that kind of explores this, right? That Strange Days where you're recording your experiences and you can play back other people's tapes in your own head. Uh, right. And uh, yeah, no, it's have horrible. You ever, have you ever jacked but in? Tell me, <laughs> but tell me that's not where we, particularly probably Americans, would go with this kind of technology. Like the very first thing we're going to try to do to monetize this sort of experience is one, they've already done horror. The next frontier is porn, man. If they, if you apply some drugs and uh, some sex experiences to this VR, I'm telling you. Uh, th there's the bank. haptics are through the roof. Yeah, haptics are <laughs> yeah. through the roof. Yeah, I like if you said that that sentence a little bit different. It sounds like the beginning of a movie. The next frontier is porn, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I agree, but see, but all that's bad because then we end up in Wally. -E, yeah, where we're all just in hover chairs and not doing anything and not interacting and stuff. Yeah, um, is there anything really going wrong back with that? Real. Yeah fast. I mean, floating, <laughs> floating chairs and constant milkshakes. Come on. The idea of using it for nefarious things, mm -hmm. um, because I'm fine with punishing criminals, but this could get way out yeah. of control. Yes. Like the idea of just throwing them in a mind, a mind prison for hundreds of years because it doesn't, you know, uh, Christian Shireen, leader of a group called Be Another, that designs VR experience warns that, quote, you can create experiences that aren't necessarily really what is happening. That allows you to maybe skirt around certain legal situations that might inhibit you otherwise. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Abu Graham. I've never known how to pronounce that word. So do you, I, you're very positive about this because you're looking at the good side. I'm unfortunately looking at the bad side. Do you, does this give you any anxiety for the future? Well, it's like anything else, right? I mean, all, all the technology that we have and are using, I think that is so helpful and so wonderful can be used for ill. And um, I, I, this one gives me a little bit of anxiety because it is like so directly requires a rewire, rewiring of our brains, right? Mm hmm like yep. in some way, because it's tapping into so many senses. Like at this point, just looking at my computer screen, I can look away. But when you have that headset on, you can turn your head to look away and you're not looking away, you know, like, no. and, and like you said at the beginning, like putting the headset on almost absolves you of responsibility to take the headset, headset off or close your eyes. Like it becomes such a reality that you kind of can't help it. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly what happened to me. And and that it that's the part that's so scary. Natural. Yeah. That's the part yeah. that's scary to me. So I think we're gonna be. I think we're gonna be fine. Who knows? I think I might be in a floating milkshake chair right now and not know it. Right now. Yeah. And yet, in your dreamscape, you still choose to do this podcast <laughs> for our listener. <laughs> Is, hey, that Maya, the, buddy. is that the worst thing that my dreamscape is producing more podcasts about horrible things? 
Yeah, watch a movie or something. (laughs) We're doing fine. Thank you all so much for joining us for this episode. This week's tune is Make It Rock by John Coggins. Coming up next week. I'd be afraid that when I was Sigmund Freud, I'd be like, that guy looks junky. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) I would just still crap on myself. I like to call them hikes. I'm actually just trying to find the wedding. (laughs) I never was invited. So it's just me wandering around the countryside being like, I brought a gift. Does that make more sense? Does that check out? Perfect. That's better. Yeah, thank you. So we were all on a Mexican hike. I don't like the fact that we'll probably be competing with, you know. With Jesus talking to God. Jesus talking to God. Yeah. (laughs) What are you listening to this week? Oh, Pete and Tom. How about you? (laughs) The son of our Lord. (laughs) That's a tough one. Until then, he's been Pete Wright. And he's been Tommy Metz the third. Thank you for downloading. We'll be back next week on What's That Smell?